0: The readings today call us to take an honest and total break from the things that distort and block Jesus in our lives, things that are rightly called sin. And this is a message that is badly needed in a time and a place that has embraced what is called nominal Christianity. This means claiming a Christian identity without changing one's lives, Christian in name only. To truly show himself, Jesus gave many extraordinary proofs of his resurrection to his disciples. You know, they start out troubled questions arise in their hearts in today's gospel he eats in front of them so they will not think that they were seeing a ghost it is then that they are incredulous for joy and finally amazed It is after they are convinced that he is truly alive and present that Jesus then tells them what he expects. Jesus does exactly what St. Peter does in today's first reading. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he shows how the Jewish prophecies lead to him. He shows them how his death was planned and prophesied. And then he tells them why. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all the nations. And this too is what Peter proclaims in the first reading. He tells the people, repent, therefore, and be converted so that your sins may be wiped away. In the second reading, John bluntly says, My little children, I am writing this to you so that you may not commit sin. Now, repentance, that is turning away from sin, is necessary for anyone who would be a friend of Jesus Because friends do not want to offend their friends. St. John warns of that nominal Christianity in his own inspired way. He said, the way that we may be sure that we know him is to keep his commandments. And then he adds, those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars. And the truth is not in them. Now, this does not mean that Peter and John are saying that Jesus is a tyrant that demands perfection from us. Peter even points out that those who did the worst thing imaginable put the author of life to death, that they did it out of ignorance. And Jesus says, forgive them. John assures us, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. The expiation, not only for our sins, our sins, but those of the whole world. Jesus died for our sins and opens to us God's mercy. That's the gospel. Now, we love the idea of divine mercy, so much so that it seems popular in many Christian circles to see Jesus as a figure behind just a great moral system. So we're happy to honor him as much as possible, while at the same time we live as comfortably as possible. We would like it if our penances were always light. We want to believe the demands of our faith are small. And the fruits that we bear in our lives sometimes do not show Jesus very much, much less convince the whole world. We like the idea of mercy dispensing with repentance. There's a popular idea that God doesn't care so much what we do, even if it's off-limits. But repentance is another matter. We want God to shrug off our sins. We do not want, and now I'm quoting from the catechism, we do not want a radical reorientation of our whole life, a return a conversion to God with all of our heart, an end to sin, a turning away from evil with repugnance toward the evil things that we've done. The catechism adds that repentance entails the desire and resolution to change one's life. Now, often we don't want that to change our lives very much. We would like to have forgiveness without that. And if we're not careful, we fall into that seemingly popular idea that Jesus and his forgiveness is like a bulk trash pickup. We select the junk from our basements in our house so that that we don't want it. We put it out on the curb and we just let the trash truck pick it up and we don't think about it anymore. Or we can want Jesus to be like a friend that says, let me go through and pick up all the stuff that you need to get rid of. I'll take it to the dump for you and, and then reorganize your house. And it's a good friend We know our house is a mess, but we smile and say, wow, thanks for the offer, but I'd rather make those decisions myself. And in a spiritual context, this is saying, no, I'll do it myself. I don't trust Jesus. Can we dare to trust that our life will be better with him than without him? Or is Jesus just the nice icing on the cake of our choice? Can we trust that what he asks of us will truly bring more happiness and fulfillment than clinging to our little pet sins? Is it true that being intimate with Jesus will be freeing Rather than a burden. This is what Jesus was asking of his disciples as he was proving himself to them. Jesus wants to change us. He did it for the first disciples in today's gospel by making. Himself known to them in the breaking of the bread and opening their mind to understand the Scriptures. And you know, still today, He invites us to trust Him. He speaks to us in the Scriptures. He comes to us in the Eucharist. This God-man rising from the dead is an incredible thing. It's amazing. It's also a bit unsettling. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ invites us to discover the greatness of God's love so that our hearts are shaken by that love and shaken by the horror and the weight of sin so that we do not want to offend God and shudder at the idea of ever being separated from Him. You know, Easter leads us the very next week to Divine Mercy Sunday. And now on this third Sunday, we are challenged to ask Jesus for the courage to embrace the true meaning of the resurrection. He is forever alive. And he invites us to accept his wonderful but demanding friendship and truly give him our hearts and our lives. Ask him. And give him the freedom to change your life every